0: Passive men and strong-willed women. You know, I don't even need to explain that. Because I bet you can picture somebody right now. In fact, this pattern of the passive man and the strong-willed woman is the single most consistent pervasive relationship pattern that before and I see in, in decades of counseling, especially among second gen you a couple blame words. And if these words are a part of your relationship vocabulary, chances are pretty good you're a blamer. Okay. First one, this one's probably my favorite, is yeah. Yeah, okay. Didn't take out the trash. Yeah, but I was busy. Okay? You don't help out with the kids. Yeah, but it was a hard day at work. So you're not denying what was said, but there's always an excuse. Yeah, but, okay? So so if you're a yeah, but person, then yeah, you're a blamer, okay? Here's another great blame language. Should. You should be more loving toward me. You should be more understanding. You should be more of a spiritual leader, okay? Some of you live in the land of should which means you should all over your spouse. We aren't the first people to blame our spouse. And we certainly won't be the last. This is a pattern that's been going on for a while. In fact, the very first story in the Bible includes spouses blaming each other. So what we see here with Adam and Eve is that this pattern, remember, they started out filled with fear. That was the first thing that happened. They were filled with fear. The second thing that happened was they blamed. Their fear led to their blame. And that's where I believe we discover the secret of escaping the, the blame game. Is that blame comes from your fear, not your spouse's failure. We need to own up to our fears. Because if we don't own up to our fears, we're not gonna own up to our blame. If we don't own up to our blame, we're gonna constantly be making it about the other person. And it's not. Because blame does not come from your partner's failures. That's not where blame comes from. Blame comes out of your fears. Thing. There is one thing in all of our relationships, guys, that is at the heart of being passive. There's one thing that you have been taught since you were a kid. There's one thing that is culturally ingrained in Hmong culture, and to a certain extent in American culture, but especially in Hmong culture. And in fact, in many ways, it's even encouraged. Okay? Guys, you have had more practice at this one relational trait, I believe, than any other relational trait. want to know what it is? Selfishness. If you ever sat on the couch playing video games while your sister cooked or did the dishes, that is selfishness training right there. If you ever had to if you ever just got stuff while your sisters had to work for it, that's selfishness training right there. And I believe that selfishness is the heart of passivity. Well, I've got bad news and good news. Okay? The bad news is that the Bible is pretty harsh on selfishness. Okay? It's pretty harsh. But the good news is, the Bible also has a remedy for selfishness. So so let's start with the bad news, okay? Selfishness is a sin. All throughout the Bible, almost every book of the Bible illustrates the destructive nature of selfishness. It illustrates the sinful nature of selfishness. And time and time again, selfishness damages marriages, And it damages relationships with God. So this is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4 total. Okay, Let's start here. If our shared life in the King brings you any comfort, if love still has the power to make you cheerful, if we really do have a partnership in the Spirit... If your hearts are all moved with affection and sympathy. And here's what Paul says. Don't be selfish. Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much and amen. Okay. Let's continue. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others too every husband should have this up on their wall if we want to break this that's the solution
1: and here are some things that i recognize about strong-willed women we have the need to control everything around us and we have strong opinions about everything and, and we can become really critical of others. We can overthink every situation. We have the savior complex. And most of all, we worry and worry and worry because we're so afraid that if we don't do enough, something really bad is gonna happen. And for me, and I think for many of you, because I think I'm doing such a great job at protecting myself and my family, It's really hard for me to admit when I'm wrong. But the savior complex leads me to rely on myself. And oftentimes when we rely on ourselves, the people around us feel like they're not needed. And I think for most of us women, we would say, no, I am not selfish. I give my whole life to my husband and my kids. But the core sin for us strong-willed women is that we don't trust God. We can't trust God with anything, especially our husband. Peter says our hope needs to be in God. That's the opposite of not trusting God, right? And when we hope in God, then we can have a gentle and quiet spirit. To hope in God means to have a strong and confident expectation that God is the one who is in charge and will take care of everything. To have a gentle spirit is to be uh, patient with our husbands, to be kind and soft towards them. Okay? And you can only do that if your hope is in God. And then the second thing, the quiet spirit I know you're like quiet, right? How can I be quiet? This Greek word um, actually has the idea of someone who is calm and at peace and able to control themselves so that everywhere they go, they spread peace. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want that? Isn't that why we try to control everything? Because we want peace and harmony. But the way to do it, is through a gentle spirit, and this is usually the opposite of what we do. We're mean and aggressive and critical and demanding, and we create havoc everywhere we go when we're strong-willed, which is the opposite of being gentle and quiet in spirit. you're probably thinking when you experience this passiveness from your partner that, man, he brings nothing to this relationship. Why am I putting up with this, right? He brings nothing to the relationship. I did not know the value of my husband. I really thought he was passive when in reality he was being patient and he was being steady and holding our marriage together. And I believe that God has created and wired men uniquely to bring security and stability and steadiness to the relationship and to the marriage. There is a term in the Bible that's really close to steady, and it's this word, steadfast. A steadfast person is one who is reliable, faithful, and true to the end. And men, I believe that that's what God has wired you to bring into the relationship. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So, the redeemed passive man is one who is not afraid to do good. He is not tired of doing good. And he is willing to do his part in the marriage so that the relationship is strong and secure. Men, while the culture tells you that you are weak if you cater to your wife's desires, that you're weak if you're patient with her and you forgive her for her sins, don't believe that lie. Your strength in this relationship is that you are steady. That you remain strong and committed to her and to the relationship. And that is not weak or passive, but that is strong and responsible. Masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Men of God, I want to affirm you for this God-given steadiness that you bring to your marriage, to your relationships. You are able to sacrificially love us strong-willed women who find it really hard to remember that we love you.
0: When you Google Christian strong-willed woman, There's an overwhelming consensus as to the answer, from a Christian perspective, to the strong-willed woman. And the overwhelming answer is this, that the strong-willed woman needs to be more submissive to her husband. That she needs to respect, quietly respect her husband more. And you know what? And those submission and respect, those are important biblical concepts, I don't think it's the right answer to this. What you hear, especially if you're a strong-willed, intelligent, competent, driven woman, what you hear is be less. All you strong-willed women, I want you to stay strong. I don't want you to be less strong, but I believe that for a lot of you, you need to redeem that strength. So ladies, okay, God has wired You with abilities God has wired you with skills and talents and and strength your decision is do you use it for good or do you use it for evil do you use it to build up your husband or tear him down so instead of asking yourself how can I get him to do what he should do instead I want to give you another question how can I help him succeed In a sense, what we need, we as husbands, we need more assistance and less insistence. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. That's what it looks like to help your husband succeed. You can help your husband have a more intimate relationship with God. Virtually every couple that I meet with to to counsel wants that. Their wife wants their husband to be stronger spiritually. I want to give you an alternative question rather than the age-old, how can I get my husband to be a better spiritual leader? And it's this. How can I inspire him? Because, you know, ladies, the truth is, we need more inspiration, less condemnation. You have the capacity, wives, to build up your husband like nobody else ever could or ever will. It's time to redeem, ladies. It's time to redeem your strength. You are strong. You just need to use it for good. Use it to build up the people around you.